inch by inch, play by play, they were finished. Welcome to the Gridiron Breakdown. We don't have a real name for it. Yeah. I'll give you media guys something to come up with. What's your assignment? Kill the quarterback. If the tight end so hard, his girlfriend dies. Kill everybody. The football podcast for the fans, by the fans, where we discuss the X's and O's of each week's premier football game. We've got to be the dumbest team in America in terms of playing the game. I thought you were going to do one of these. Your hosts are Jay and Allen. And when was the last time 80,000 people showed up to see a kid do a chemistry experiment? You play football like Engineer played football. And Brian. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. And Lindsay. My favorite scene. I don't know what a hook he is, but God is one of them. Go Virginia Tech. Whichever one starts, starts. Whichever ones don't, we'll back him up. Period. Cut and dry. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I can tell you how they feel about it. They don't like it. It's a lack of respect. It's not doing your homework and paying attention to what reality is. Now, let's get to the breakdown. Looks to me like they're coming up with a plan. Hello, you play to win the game. It's time for the Gridiron Breakdown. I'm Jay. I'm Alan. I'm Brian. And I'm Lindsay. And we are here to get you ready for episode five of the 2020 season. It's week four for college football and week three for the NFL. So we're going to update you on the picks and all that good stuff that we've got going on. Before we get into that, I want to throw out some questions here for my esteemed colleagues to ban around and talk a little bit about. And so, Brian, I want to start with you. What's been you know most surprising for you from the early weeks of college football NFL so far? Well, uh, I'm not sure I have anything that's surprising, but I will say, uh, how about that Justin Herbert Yeah, for San Diego? I mean, Tyrod Taylor gets an injection for a, a cracked rib that we learn now had punctured his lung. He's over there having chest pains on the sideline, and this kid gets told minutes before the game that he's starting the game and almost wins the game against Kansas City. I mean, yeah. Wow. What a start to his career. That was pretty cool to, cool to watch, I, I got to say. Um, as for surprises, um, I don't know that there are any that has been overly surprising to me yet. Um, uh, teams that I thought would be good are starting slow, you know, the Vikings, but that's typical of them. Uh, last year, I believe they started really slow as well before they finally figured out that they need to give the ball to that number 33 guy and yep. let him run it down people's throats <laughs> instead of trying to make Kirk Cousins win games. I don't get it. They'll figure it out. They did last year. They'll do it this year. Um, other than that, uh, nothing's really been that surprising. I mean, Tom Brady's uh, lackluster start was turned around this week. Um, so uh, I guess maybe Drew Brees. And the lack of production he's had, uh, they, they're still winning games, but uh, he's not looked very impressive at all. Yeah. What about you guys? Uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is what I expected. I expected a lot of sloppy play, uh, a lot of because of lack of fall camps, spring trainings, uh, spring camp, just all the preparations not there. While well, we've seen some great plays, and I think it's led to also a, a huge amount of injuries. I mean, I feel like half of the 49ers. 53-man roster is almost on IR after this week. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, no surprises really because this is such uncharted territory, but specifically COVID-related, just how different coaches are training and setting up 
their lineups. I know at least a handful of them are cross-training different positions so that players are ready to jump in at any minute if, you know, they lose all of their tight ends or things like that. And just like the general logistics of everything has been interesting to follow. Yeah, yeah. Coaches have had to get super creative with things. Mm -hmm. And goodness gracious, Dana Holgerson in Houston can't get a game played. I mean, they had another one get canceled because North Texas has COVID. We found that out earlier today. Alan sent that in the text thread, and I, I was blown away by that. So, Alan, let me ask you this to start with. Do you think home field advantage is still a thing, even though we have limited to no fans? The piped-in sound is not as loud in the stadium as it is on TV for us. Does that still matter, that having home field advantage in college of the NFL? Well, I think the only advantage it gives you at this point in time without your home crowd to maybe disrupt the other offense is just the familiarity. You're sleeping in your bed or your your place you're used to. You're going through the same routine. Whereas when you go on the road, they try as much as possible to keep the routine the same, but it's not always the same. Uh, specifically in college, I think a lot of teams – do feed off that energy in the stadium at certain times because you'll you'll watch a game and you'll watch Alabama kind of screw around with somebody for a quarter or two and then the fans kind of get restless and they kind of will that team and the team kind of wakes up uh so I don't think home field advantage is that big of a deal this year uh which makes it a little interesting it makes a lot of the games more even um and I think it gives you the potential for more upsets because you got some teams but less upsets at the same times I know that's stupid but there's a better chance for a team to go into Tuscaloosa to win when there's no fans as opposed to, you know, uh, g- getting a big win against a rival at home because your fans are into it and they keep the other team's offense off key because of the noise. So, I mean, I think it's kind of a mute point at this point. Yeah, I've, I've seen one thing work, and Aaron Rodgers has been the guy that's done it the most. Is it, The hard count is working on defense now because they don't have anything to filter it out. I've seen a lot of dudes getting drawn off sides that normally wouldn't in college and the NFL. Brian, Lindsay, what about y'all? What do you think? Yeah, I don't think that there is as big of a home field advantage anymore. I mean, aside from Alan saying familiarity, being in your own bed, I didn't think about that. Um, but – the, you know, lack of a 12th man, I think, is making a lot of road games seem a little less um, formidable. I agree. I, I just don't think that it's uh, as big a deal as it has been in the past. Um, yeah, when you're playing in front of nobody, I mean, it, even when you're playing in front of like the handful of fans, mm how loud do they really get? Not very, I'm sure. So oh. I don't know. I, I think uh home field advantage at times can be overrated anyway. Um, but this year, I don't think it matters where you're playing. At least not to start the season until, you know, there seems to be some graduated plans to let more and more people back in stadiums if numbers continue to improve. And that'd be awesome. We would like that. But if not, I do think it is something that has been neutralized this year. So it'll be interesting to see as as the season plays on, does that continue to be a factor? Because it used to be the rule was Vegas gave you three points for being the home team no matter what. And then they worked the line from there. Well, now a lot of the point spreads are kind of wacky because it's hard to tell, you know, what they would be if it was a full fan base. So because it's early in the season that doesn't mean it's not too early to completely and totally overrate some of the performances we've seen so Lindsay, who are some early season heisman hopefuls and nfl mvp candidates 
Ah, well, uh, we've got Ohio State QB Justin Fields. And I haven't even played Clemson. a game yet, by the way, but you're right. He's on <laughs> hey, every they're list. still on the top he's, 25. He's in the list, yep. Mm-hmm. And Clemson QB Trevor Lawrence are, are the two big favorites at the moment. Um, Trevor Lawrence finished seventh in the Heisman voting last year and Justin Fields third. So he, uh, Justin Fields only finished behind Jalen Hurts and the number one overall draft pick, uh, Joe Burrow. So he is still a favorite. Uh, we also have a couple thrown in there that are still in the running or currently in the running. Um, and that's Texas senior QB, Sam Ellinger. Um, he is rising. Uh, I think he's in like the top five I read, but then there are also a handful of others, Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma QB, and uh, Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma State running back. So those are our top guys at the moment. Alan, you're shaking uh, your head at Sam Ellinger. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, he's just never impressed me. I mean, Texas is going to be Texas, guys. That, that's just what's going to happen. They're going to look good for a little while, and then they're going to run into Oklahoma and just absolutely face plant happens every year i've seen this movie several times uh you know i think chuba hubbard you you got to take him off the list i know it's one game but that is a game and a team he should have dominated last week and oklahoma state looked awful against tulsa yeah i i'll i'll throw another name in there and i'm going to talk about him a little while later just to play a little bit of my hand Derek king from miami's looked pretty darn sharp early on so uh he if he continues to play like that miami gets the clout he'll wind up in the list so what about NFL MVPs? Here are we seeing. I mean, the usual suspects, right? Cool. Yeah. So at the moment, uh, Russell Wilson is the current MVP yeah. favorite uh, cool. per Vegas odds. Uh, but Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are not far behind. Um, Wilson is career high for the first two games right now. Uh, passing yards with 610 and completion rate of 82%. And and Pete Carroll seems to be letting him do his thing uh, as far as not pushing his own running agenda. So he's uh, letting Russell Wilson throw the ball a little more. Um, 82%, you know, Jack- by the way. I want yeah. to repeat that. 82 in the NFL. That is mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Lamar Jackson hit the ground running and passing uh, with – no signs of stopping. I mean, he's still looking really good. Week one, he completed 20 of 25 passes uh, with 275 passing yards, three scores. Week two, not as uh, colorful, but still completed 18 of 24 passes for 204 passing yards and a touchdown. And then uh, Mahomes is uh, starting the season out well, too. Also in the running is uh, Aaron Rodgers, not a favorite, but he's in there. He's definitely playing well for sure. I would say those three names definitely in the – or maybe four names with with Mahomes, Jackson, uh, Russell Wilson, and then Rodgers have been the ones that have, have really impressed early on. Brian Allen, what do you guys say? Uh, yeah, it, do, do, can a coach win MVP? Because I mean, John Gruden <laughs> turned that Las Vegas team around, right? They look <laughs> like a real football team. Wow. Impressive, yeah. Uh, Derek Carr looks like an actual quarterback. What the heck happened? I uh, know. Uh, right? No, I agree. Uh, I think the top guys are always going to be Mahomes and uh, Lamar Jackson, just because they're just they're game changers for their teams. And no matter 
where they are in the game, they find a way to pull it out and win. Uh, I think we saw that this last week with Kansas City for sure. Um, Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. Uh, he's willing the Packers to win those games because I, I got to be honest, they don't look very impressive um, for most of the game, but he finds ways to get them in the end zone and score points. Um, if they can get that defense to play better and as they did at the beginning of last year, that's a dangerous team going into the playoffs. Dangerous team going into the playoffs. Uh, but uh, if we know the Packers, we know that they aren't gonna they're gonna hold up their end of the bargain. They're gonna fall apart <laughs> at some point. Spoken <laughs> like a true Vikings fan who who has uh, never won a Super Bowl. Hey, oh. Titans fan. Thank you very much. I live in Minnesota. That doesn't. Now, I will say this, guys. I think you are missing the point on the Packers. Aaron Rodgers has played great, but Aaron Jones is the reason why their offense is yeah, humming. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. destroyed the Vikings. He led them in rushing and was the leader in passer like receiver like halfway through the third quarter last week. He absolutely obliterated the Lions. But the question with me is, can he stay healthy? And obviously, we don't give the MVP to non-quarterbacks anymore. That's probably 25 years ago, if I had to guess. Adrian Peterson won one back in the, yeah. the aughts, but it's been a while. You're, you're well, he wrong. almost ran for like 2,200 yards. <laughs> yeah, he had to break every record known to you know, <laughs> humankind to get it. So, yeah, you're right. Well, you know what? It's been fun to start out. Our picks from last week, we, didn't, we all had a pretty good week picking, you know, honestly. So, just to update everybody, Brian and Alan both went 7-2 and two last week. So, Alan, you really inched ahead by picking Vegas over New Orleans. The rest of us took the Saints on Monday night. You you got that one. So, Brian, that brings your overall to 19-7, and 15-3 on the college ranks, 4-4 four and four in the NFL. Alan, you are 17-9, and 12-6 and six in college, 5-3 and three in the NFL. So, you lead the NFL picks here. Lindsay, you went 6-3 and three last week, uh, along with me. And you went, uh, you're 16 and 10 overall, 13 and 5 in college, 3 and 5 in the NFL. And I am now a Husky 14 and 12. Yay, above 500. <laughs> 10 and 8 in college and 4 and 4 in the NFL. I am the infinity symbol of the gridiron breakdown. But you know, that's kind of how we stand. So, what does that matter if you're new to the show? You're not sure. Well, we use the picks rankings just kind of as a friendly thing amongst us, too. But it also is the order of how the feature games get laid out. Um, Alan, Lindsay, and I do the college games. Brian always does the NFL game. But it's also how, when you're not picking, how the pick order goes. So Brian has to defend his title uh, all night. So he'll pick first. <laughs> Alan will go second. Lindsay will go. And then I'll go, depending on who the featured games are. So let's get back in the ring and see what's happening. It's time for some featured games. So, I, guys, we're, we've got somebody from the Power 3 in every one of our featured games tonight. I'm so excited. We're finally getting that out. we got Big 12 games, SEC games, ACC games, and Alan, you get to lead us off by welcoming the SEC to the party. So much for fall weddings, everybody. <laughs> Tennessee on the road to take on South Carolina, the 6.30 p.m., 7.30 Eastern SEC Network Game of the Week. Alan, tell us what it's all about. Well, guys, you know, I, I had to pick an SEC game. Yes, I'm an SEC homer. I will own that. Um, I needed some real football in my life. Uh, guys, we're going to break down the Tennessee-South Carolina game. Uh, you know, the Vols roll into the season opener. Uh, they're ranked. They're on a six-game winning streak that began with a 41-21 beatdown of South Carolina last year. And let's be honest, after two weeks last year, nobody thought Tennessee would make a bowl, let alone win a bowl after losing to BYU and Georgia State. So it's pretty impressive the turnaround they had. 
Tennessee returns a deep and talented offensive line group. Uh, they hope Cade Mays, the Georgia transfer, can get some sort of emergency appeal to be able to play uh, and clear. They hope to have that in the next week or two, one way or the other. Uh, Eric Gray hopes to kind of take a step forward as a go-to back as he kind of plugged in there toward the end of the year as a freshman. Uh, he came on uh, strong late in the year. He averaged uh, 5.3 yards a carry, 8.8 yards a catch, and had five touchdowns. Uh, and he really didn't get used until that kind of the last five or six games. Um, you know, they will have to replace uh, Jennings and Callaway at wide receiver, but they have a talented young guy in Josh Palmer that they think is better than both those guys, thinks that he can be the go-to guy. And let's be honest, though, with this Tennessee offense, they will go as far as Jarrett Garantano can take them. Uh, he is Mr. Jekyll and Hyde. While he played fantastic the end of last year, he played awful the beginning of last year. Uh, and, and honestly, his game-to-game performance is really going to dictate where this team goes. But he was able to spark them. And that lost to Alabama, and he carried that momentum the rest of the season. Uh, the defense is led by Henry Tutu, and I know I butchered that, but that's okay, uh, at linebacker. And he's the thing that makes his defenses work. He is the quarterback. He is the extension of Jeremy Pruitt on the field, calling the plays, get everybody set up. He led the team in tackles last year. Uh, and this, let, let's be honest, their defense is very well coached, and Pruitt has slowly made this unit into something that kind of fits his personality. Uh, they have a vet, veteran secondary uh, led by Bryce Thompson, an All-American last year, who they really look to kind of take that step forward and possibly be a first-round draft pick. Uh, the D-line could be an issue. They had to dismiss Emmett Gooden, uh, Gooden earlier this year. They had some departures last year, so they're going to be a little thin there. Uh, I think the defense has a chance to be good but not great. Will Muschamp uh, on the other side, you know, he keeps getting and somehow keeping jobs. I'm not sure exactly how that happens. Um, this year, Colin Hill will be the starter at quarterback. He just transferred in from Colorado State along with new offensive coordinator Mike Bobo, who certainly has his work cut out for him. Uh, this offense hopes to get more production than last year because they only scored more than 27 points once. That was against Charleston Southern. So that is, uh, yeah, that's not good. Uh, and, and to be honest, I mean, they only scored 24 points total in the final three games. They got absolutely beat down at the end of the season. Um, you know, Mike Bobo hopes to kind of make a change with this. They lost their three leading rushers from last year, not that there was anything to write home. But they have a super freshman, a five-star, Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, they hope that he can hit the ground running. Um you know, last year he was hampered by some injuries and didn't really play that much. Uh, so they're hoping that he can kind of be the difference. Uh, the offensive line is returning two tackles, but they're still trying to figure out the middle of that line. And I think it's going to take them a couple of games to figure it out. The defense last year for South Carolina was really good. They had a good defensive line. Unfortunately, three of those guys are playing in the NFL now. Um, and the, the big issue with that defense is they were on the field so long because that team couldn't convert third downs, couldn't keep the ball, couldn't score. Uh, they're less experienced along the line, but their safeties and corners, they returned three of the four starters there who played really well last year and just asked Georgia how good that secondary was last year. Uh, Jake from State Farm will let you know how that went. Um, you know, here's the thing. Um this team is going to be a work in process, progress. The linebackers are going to need to be better, especially stopping the run. Teams were able to gash them up the middle last year. Um, 
and you know i just i don't like will muschamp i can't trust him you know he's just kind of an angry little man and that's saying something i'm an alabama <laughs> fan we have an angry little man for our head coach yeah, right. Um, you know, so so here's the thing. Tennessee needs a fast start this year. And this game's always really kind of a weird, funky game. It always seems like something strange happens and it ends on a field goal. And if Bush Jones was coaching this game, guys, I would predict the Tennessee face plant. But Bush Jones is off building his wall brick by brick with champions of life and so forth. And I think Jeremy Pruitt's a good coach, and I think he'll have this team ready. I think Tennessee's going to be good this year. I think that schedule may prevent them from being really good. Uh, but I like Tennessee 35-20 to 20 over South Carolina. All right, Allen's got Tennessee. And I think Butch Jones is currently employed by Alabama doing something last I saw. So He's in an office three stories underground watching film. <laughs> yeah, probably not a bad job. All right, Brian, what say you? Give me South Carolina and flip the score, 33-20. All right. Brian likes South Carolina. Lens, what about you? Oh, man. I have South Carolina, and I hate to be that person that's picking the team based on the uniform, but South Carolina came out with some real slick, all black, like matte black helmet, <laughs> battle armor that they're calling it. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes clothing can make a difference, especially in performances and in sports. So I'm going with South Carolina for the upset 24-20. Uh, all right, hey, Lindsay. Unfortunately, those uniforms and games in the SEC tend to have a different effect. Just ask Georgia how that goes when they roll out those all black uniforms. Go dogs! <laughs> I'm still holding out. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about some uniform action in the lightning round. But I gotta say something. I'm surprised. I thought I was gonna be that guy that picked South Carolina tonight. But I'm I'm gonna <laughs> join Brian and Lindsay on this. I'm gonna tell you why. Though. What? I'm gonna tell you why. <laughs> Mike Bobo is gonna install a physical. A brand of offense there. They're going to line up with two tights and a couple of backs pound straight ahead. Tennessee's defense, in addition to having 40 dudes deal with COVID throughout the time, is thin up front. They're inexperienced. I like the home team to sneak a win. I'm going to get them 17-16. So give me those Gamecocks. And, Alan, you can stand alone with the Cheetos um, from, from Tennessee, which as a Bama fan, I know pains you greatly to say nice things about them. But, uh, yeah, so that that's an interesting night. So fun times. Well, Lindsay, it is your turn, and you are going to take us out to the Big 12. It's finally time to talk about Horns Up. It's Texas on the road in Buddy Holly's hometown, taking on those Texas Tech Red Raiders, the 230 Central, 330 Eastern Fox game of the week. Tell us all about it. Oh, here we go. So it's Texas's, Texas's? It is the Texas Longhorns' first road game of the year. Um, that is not their biggest concern. They've actually been working through, and I mentioned this earlier, some COVID logistics. Um, so they still have to pass. Uh, I think Big 12 has some pretty strict rules in place. They have to pass um, positively three COVID tests a week. Uh, so they still have to go through today's and then test or not positive, test negative for COVID. Sorry, guys, stumbling over my words. Um, and then one on Friday. Um, and they also are flying, uh, to, uh, to their game. So uh, if someone in the airplane tests positive for COVID, the two rows behind them and the two rows in front of them in the airplane are also out for that game. So they are actually strategically seating players on the plane 
in uh, uh, preparation for, all right, if this person tests positive, then then how can we how can we pull these strings? Hold on a minute. Hold on. Just one second on that, though. Sorry to interrupt, but Texas has more money than God and they're taking commercial flights. What's up with that? <laughs> no, I believe it's a charter flight. Oh, it is but... a charter. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, um, I was just like, you're talking about, I can't see these guys going through the Delta terminal. It's Texas. No, no, no. Yeah, no. I, I believe okay. it is a chartered flight. They're just saying like, you know, you still are spaced, but if, if someone in row D, you know, if one player tests positive for COVID, then rows e and f and then rows b and c they're also out of the game gotcha. so, so they're staggering them position wise so they don't wipe out a whole group together gotcha. yeah gotcha. yeah because, please continue no 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 that's fine uh valid question so that is their biggest concern and probably one of the only things that would keep them from uh winning this game so they're being very careful and very diligent um, and the team uh, has allegedly been very compliant with everything that that their coaches asked them to do. Um, they do have a couple of questionable players this week um, at Texas. Wide receiver Jake Smith is potentially still out with a hamstring injury. He was supposed to start practicing today, I believe, um, but they're depth chart, their depth chart for slot isn't great because Jordan Whittington is also out with a knee injury. So that could potentially be a problem for Texas. Um, all, offensive tackle Reese Moore also appears to be out from a knee injury as well. Uh, though he was scheduled to begin practice this week, he was not on the roster for this game. Um, Texas tech, uh, so the last time they won against Texas in Lubbock was in 2008, oh. but they had Michael Crabtree, uh, who will actually this weekend be inducted into uh, Texas Tech's Ring of Honor. So that uh, maybe will give them some good luck. I don't know. Um, but they they just Texas Tech does not have the best defense. Um, they tend to play well in the first half um, against Houston Baptist. They only allowed 10 points in the first half, but then surrendered 23 after the break. So um, just not, not a great record there. Um, and then they gave up 567 yards and four touchdowns to HBU quarterback Bailey. Sapp. Yeah. Uh, so there are, some issues there. And, and honestly, you know, what's going to happen against, uh, and I still say Heisman contender, uh, Sam Ellinger, uh, who completed 75 over 75% of his passes, um, for 426 yards and five touchdowns. And that was just in the first half of their last game. So wow. he's looking pretty hot right now. Um, now this is the big 12 opener for both teams. Each team is one and zero, but with number eight Texas, who stomped the University of Texas at El Paso, fifty nine to three, against the unranked Texas Tech, who barely held on to beat Houston Baptist, thirty five to thirty three. Uh, it's unlikely to be a close game. Um, now Texas Tech considers Texas to be a big rival. It doesn't go both ways, uh, so it's possible that they'll get hyped up. Um, for this game and they might uh, they might have a better showing 
Um, but with, and we talked about this earlier without the crowd noise, without the 12th man, 12th man there, uh, it doesn't really make much of a difference to Texas where they're playing, um, at this point. Um, and Texas tech usually does put up a good fight at home. Um, but with, uh, with, you know, the last, Geez, sorry, totally lost my train of thought there. Uh, they usually put up a decent fight at home, but it just doesn't look like it's going to go that way uh, this weekend. So all of that being said, um, I am going to go with Texas for the win, uh, 45 to 17. All right, Brian, what about you? Uh, I'm also going to take Texas just because Texas Tech. <laughs> um, I'll go 33 to 14. All right, Alan. I got a few things to throw out here. First of all, yeah, Ellinger played great. Uh, he might have got a better game if they would have played like the Texas school for the deaf and the blind because UTEP hadn't fielded a decent football team in about 15 <laughs> years. <laughs> and first of all, second of all, Texas, you are not back. Luckily for you, Texas Tech sucks. Ellinger will absolutely destroy this tech defense. They got shredded by Houston Baptist. Give me Texas 55 to 13. Yeah, I, I can't uh, disagree with anything you say. Lindsay, you laid it out perfectly. Texas is way better than the team. Even if they halfway take it serious, they're still going to roll in this one. I like Texas 49, Texas Tech 20 in this game. So that means it's my turn. It's time to come to the ACC. Talk about rivalries that get straight nasty. Florida State and Miami can can really bring the hate for each other. Wide right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bobby Bowden still doesn't trust kickers. He will be, you know, 90 million years old this year, and he's somewhere in his head going, no kickers, no kickers, because he knows, all right? Meanwhile, Miami, look, they, they were struggling for a long time. Manny Diaz comes in, was going to be the savior. Didn't look so good, but he made a smart move. He realized we can't keep running this stuff that we're doing. He brought in Rhett Lashley, who had – Done good stuff at Auburn, got away from Gus, went out to SMU with Sonny Dykes and married the Gus offense with the air raid offense. And then they also recruited Derek King. He said, do you want to go play for Houston? They're going to postpone 50 games next year. Transfer and come here. You've already got two degrees from there. Come on down here to Miami. He comes down there and your first game gets you a B. Not so great. You know, they were a little struggling, but they got some stuff going. Last week against Louisville, man, Miami turned up the heat. and They showed you what they could really do. They didn't really run much of the playbook against UAB. Now they got the whole thing installed, and you can see it. So Florida State, as we know, got the worst bye week ever in, second, in the second week because they go out and lay an egg against Georgia Tech, and then they have a week where they can't do anything but practice and talk about it. And then head coach Mike Norvell gets COVID, bless his heart. He's not sick, but he is in quarantine, so he can't even be at the game. I thought they might do a Hugh Freeze thing and, like, put him in a bubble and let him coach from the stand. Nope, he's not even going. So all the play calling goes to uh, Kenny Dillingham, uh, the offensive coordinator, and the D.C. and uh, assistant head coach is going to be the coach for the day. So Florida State's without their leader, right? They got to muster up 
you know, some, some confidence and muster up some real will to deal with the problem that is coming at them. And it's coming at them from both sides of the ball. Defensive ends, Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips for Miami are absolute nightmares to try to block. They're both tall. They're both fast. They both have incredible motors. They play hard every play and they will absolutely smack your quarterback into the dirt. Just go ask Malik Cunningham. He changed his name after the game because he'd had enough. I mean, it was, it was bad. Now the thing is though, about Miami's defense as stout as they are you can run on them Louisville ran all over them they just turned on the gas too late and were way too far behind and they couldn't stop the Miami offense and that brings me to a little visual demonstration I would like to share with everyone tonight we're going to go to the the old chalkboard here and old Jay's <laughs> going to show you how a little bit of the zone read works all right so just some basic stuff it's not you know, perfect to scale but Miami likes to line up in a lot of formation like this sometimes they'll wing the tight end over here sometimes they'll go two backs but they go twins to the open side one guy here to the end and they're all working off these four defensive players right here so if the defensive end goes down on the fake here they're just going to hand it to their bruising backs and let them streak up the middle for 75 yard touchdowns but if the end decides to get cute and say you know what no 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 no, i'm gonna make sure i nail that back well Derek king king can just take it around the end himself real shifty right but he's got to worry about this linebacker and this safety guy or this other db over here we'll get to these people on the outside in a second so if that safety comes on down well, the, what they love to do off the zone read is run the zone read slant with the slot receiver here, or if they're going single receiver, they'll just let that dude do it against single coverage. And that dude is wide open, and sometimes there's nobody there, or at worst, there's one person there. But let's say the backer gets wise, and he decides, I'm going to go back and help my safety buddy back here. So now D'Eric's got two chances. He's going to watch this end and see what he does, and either the if the, the wide receiver's paying attention to it, and if he sees havoc happening back here, he's going to hitch it up right here. King can hit him real quick or he's going to break it off and go deep one-on-one -on -one against that corner and it's going to be a big touchdown either way this is what i call the miami quad and the miami quad is a nightmare to try and defend because these dudes not only run this they run it really fast and this part of it right here this this uh zone read slant business look to a tongue of Alo, got himself drafted off of doing that even though he's made out of glass Derek king can do just the same thing running that same play it's tough to defend so florida state has got their hands full trying to deal with that and let's mention the fact that their offensive line is a wet paper bag with a bunch of sharp rocks. <laughs> Guys, I wish I could say this was going to be one of the storied games in the rivalry of Florida State-Miami, but I ain't seeing it. I think the Canes are going to huff and puff and blow the Seminole house down. Give me Miami big in this one. <laughs> 30 to 7. Give me the Canes. Brian, what do you say? I'm also taking Miami because they've been uh, pretty impressive so far. Uh, wow. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that bad. So give give me uh, Miami, and I'm going to say 28-21. All right. You got it closed. Alan. You know, you hit my key points. FSU doesn't have Mike Norvell, and they might as well not have an offensive line. A swinging gate might actually slow Miami down a little bit more. And King is a difference maker for the Canes. I expect poor offensive line play for FSU, and I don't think Miami's line has been that great, but FSU's offensive line is atrocious. Miami big, 38-13. to 13. All right, Lindsay, what about you? Well, first I have to ask, Jay, were you the kid that did all the work in the group projects when you were <laughs> in high school, maybe, college? Maybe yeah. So. All right. <laughs> um, I also have Miami winning. Um, I had a, 
I heard a great uh, quote earlier today. Uh, when Miami is riding high like this, you ride it until it breaks. And I think they're going to keep going as hard as they can until they break. So I've got Miami winning 34 to 24. Very cool. Well, we, we can argue about Texas being back or not, but Miami might be back. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. So we're all Skeptical. going for the game. But I think I, th- I, th- I think Clemson may have a little something to say about that. Mm-hmm. that, that no, I, I'm with you on this. I have a feeling that that one will wind up on a featured game slot in a future <laughs> gridiron breakdown. But boy, do we have a humdinger. Save the best mm-hmm. for last for the man leading in the picks. Monday night football. The Baltimore Ravens host the Kansas City Chiefs, Lamar Jackson versus Patty Mahomes. Brian, break it all down for us. Man, barring injury, this is my pick for AFC Championship game this year. Uh, This is a preview, and I'm excited about this because you got two of the premier quarterbacks in the league one-on-one. This has only happened twice before. So this will be the third time that they're going to face off in the regular season against each other. Uh, We'll talk about the outcomes of that in a minute, but we got two teams that are really playing great football in, and you've got the Ravens who have a killer defense uh, coming down against the Kansas City Chiefs. Both teams on defense have six sacks. The difference is, is that Kansas City has only given up two sacks and the Ravens have given up six sacks. So that uh, is a big important factor here because Kansas city offensive line is protecting Mahomes a lot better than the Baltimore offensive line is protecting uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, that said uh, statistics, uh, Lindsay, you broke it down earlier for us in the MVP talk. Uh, they're both playing out of their minds quarterback wise. Here's the killer stat here for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, obviously having a great year. He's got 479 yards. He's got four touchdowns, no picks. But here's the the fun fact. He's leading the team in rushing, not just in yards with 99, but in carries with 23. Mark Ingram, their number one running back, has only 19 carries this season. 19. So that's a big stat right there. Lamar Jackson is leading that team in that statistical category this is going to be an offensive show uh even though the ravens have a great defense uh it's pat mahomes he doesn't care what your defense is he's going to carve you up any way he wants lamar jackson's going to make kansas city look funny too this is going to be a fun game two times they've faced off against each other in the mahomes lamar jackson sweepstakes and patrick mahomes has won it both times that is not changing here give me kansas city 33 to 30 all right, Brian, great breakdown. Alan? Well, you know, th- this is a, a huge game hype-wise. I don't know that we've had a regular season game this big since maybe that uh, Rams-Chiefs game in 18 that turned out to be like an all-time classic. Um, you know, Casey came out flat that last week, but San Diego's defense is kind of salty, and they'll do that to you. Uh, Baltimore, you know, ha- ha- you know, We'll have to throw more than they did last week. They got ahead and they just kind of shut it down and just ran the ball. I, I hope we get a great game. I-, I think you're right. And the big thing about this game is, remember, only the number one seed gets the automatic buy this year. Mm-hmm. So, so this game will can come down to who who's got a home field and who gets a week off in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a classic. I like Kansas City, thirty-eight to 35 all right point of order real quick by the way san diego no longer has an nfl team they're in los angeles but they might as well be in san diego that's where they belong (laughs) they don't belong in los angeles Lindsay, 
Oh, okay. So I, uh, I went with Baltimore. I feel like running on Baltimore is not going to be easy. Their defense is in beast mode right now. It looks like, and Lamar Jackson was a little off last week, but he's still, I think last week averaged almost three and a half yards per carry, but you know, I six and just over six yards average for the team as a whole. Casey defense is weak on the ground game a little bit passing D questionable too, but their pass rush is good and something that the Ravens might not be immune to, but even then it's going to be an insane matchup. I still pick the Ravens, uh, but a narrow win 21 to 20. All right. You like low scoring Lindsay, you and I are dancing to the same tunes. I like Baltimore here because of that defense, Kansas city flirted a little bit with disaster last week. I think they'll get snake bit this week, two weeks on the road, even though home field advantage doesn't matter. Travel does Baltimore is going to be comfortable. I think they win the early round, but do they get the second match? Cause it was always the second fight in the Rocky movies you had to watch, right? We'll see what happens down the road, but I like Baltimore here 31 30. And I, I'm telling you, look, that's an eight 20 kick on Monday night, Eastern time. I'm drinking some coffee. I'm staying up for that. I got to see how that goes down. Like, you know, I stayed up and watched that, that uh, Raiders, uh saints thing this is going to be twice as entertaining it's going to be a ton of fun and uh man the sunday night monday night games this week are just killer we'll get back to those in just a bit it's time to do some lightning round y'all it's time to buzz the tower and see what's going on we're going to kick off the lightning round with an acc matchup louisville on the road to take on those pesky pit panthers that's an 11 a.m kick 12 noon eastern on the acc network brian lay it on us 23-17. All right, Alan. Well, you know, Louisville let me down last week, and Pitt did exactly what I said they would do. They would screw around with Syracuse. Uh, this is really a coin flip. I'm going to give the edge to Louisville slightly, 24-23. All right, Lens, what about you? Yeah, this was tough because Louisville really needs this win, and they could bounce back, but it is tough to win at Pitt. Um, this could be a situation where no fans do make a difference, um, but I still have Pitt winning 24-21. to 21. I'm going to tell you the X factor in the game is Louisville running back Jalen Hawkins. If they can get that guy loose, it's going to be a long day. I want to pick Pitt. But every time I want to in a big game, they curl up and turn into the fetal position of the second half on mm-hmm. offense. Give me Louisville in a close one. Sorry, Matt Presto. I'm going Louisville 26, Pitt 23 in this game. West Virginia on the road, taking it to Oklahoma State, the 2.30 p.m. Central, 3.30 Eastern, ABC game of the week. Can Gundy's boys get it done? Brian. I don't know who can gun these boys are, but I'm picking <laughs> Oklahoma State at home, and I'm going to say 24 uh, 21. All right, Alan. Well, you know, this week was the anniversary of the famous I'm a man, I'm 40 speech, just FYI. <laughs> um, Oklahoma State played awful against Tulsa, and Tulsa is not very good. I mean, they, they, they got some stuff done in that game, but as a rule, Tulsa has really struggled the past couple of years. Uh, and both these teams historically have been a thorn in my side in picks in the gridiron breakdown. You go back and look, they always give me trouble. Uh, I think West Virginia has the better quarterback. I think they have the better quarterback. I think they're going to win. I like, the, I like uh, the Mountaineers 27-21. All right, Lindsay. Yeah, uh, West Virginia came out strong against Eastern Kentucky. Oklahoma struggled against Tulsa, and I'm 
I'm with Alan on this. I'm going with West Virginia, uh, 24 to 10. So. I love what Neil Brown's doing with the Mountaineers, but I don't think that defense is going to be able to handle Chuba Hubbard. Give me Oklahoma State in a shootout. They win this one 44-41 over West Virginia. We stay at the 2.30 time slot, 3.30 Eastern on ESPN. I'm so glad this game is getting the big mothership network Army, America's team, on the road to take on the Cincinnati Bearcats. B-Dog. I got to go with Army on this one. I'm taking Army. Uh... Let's see. Let's do uh, 27-21. All right, Alan. You know, this actually should be a really good game. Both these teams are talented, well-coached, very disciplined. Uh, I think the triple option is the difference. I like Army 21-17. to All right, Lindsay. Um, I've got Cincinnati um, 27-24. to I don't think Army's played a team quite like Cincinnati yet, and I think uh, – I think that'll that'll be the difference. The triple option is an equalizer, but Desmond Riddle, oh, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback for Cincinnati, is the answer to the riddle. Give me the Bearcats to squeeze one together 24-17 and take the win. Now we head to the NFL. Tennessee, the Titans, flirting with absolute disaster two weeks in a row, miss every kick in the world, and then go kick the game winner, old man Guskowski. They head up to take on the Minnesota Vikings who are trying to figure out what in the heck a football is. Brian, how do you see it going down? Fear not. We're inside for this one. Goskowski will not screw this up. Uh, the Vikings look terrible. They have to figure out how to give Delvin Cook the ball and let him tear apart teams. It will not happen this week because Kubiak just won't do it. So I'm picking Tennessee on the road to defeat the Minnesota Vikings, dropping them to 0-3 and putting them into free-fall panic mode. I'm going Tennessee, 27, Vikings, 10. Ooh, all right, Alan. Free-fall panic mode is exactly how I like the Minnesota Vikings, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Minnesota's been awful. I mean, they've, had, they've given up safeties in back-to-back games. Kirk Cousins has looked like Kirk Cousins. Uh, he's looked absolutely awful. The, their defense is dreadful. Uh, Tennessee's kind of flirted with disaster, but I think the Titans will get it done. I like them 24 to 13. All right, Lindsay. Yeah, I, Tennessee struggled a little to win the first two games, but I'm with everyone else. Minnesota's looked really not great. So I've got Tennessee winning 40 to 28. Everything y'all said is exactly right, except one thing. When you get a bunch of millionaire football players whose backs are against the wall and the whole world is telling them they ain't got nothing to do, that I've seen the Vikings do it, they pull the rabbit out of the hat. Give me the Vikings in the upset this week, 23-20, to 20, to take out the Titans and get off the schneid. This next one totally intrigues me, too, because it's another 12 noon, 1 p.m. game. This one's over on Fox. The Tennessee game's on uh, CBS. The L.A. Rams taking the long cross-country trip to go take on the Buffalo Bills. Brian? That long cost country trip is going to be the doom of them. Give me the Bills, who are looking pretty good right now. Uh, the Rams look a lot better than I thought they would. Same. But I, I got the Bills in this one. I think the defense will, will give Jared Goff some uh, problems. And so I'm going Bills, and I'm going to say uh, 30 to 17. All right, Allen. Yeah, I mean, Brian, you hit it. That West Coast, East Coast trip with a noon kickoff just generally spells disaster. Uh, I think the Bills are the more complete team. Josh Allen's been playing really well the first two games. Uh, I like the Bills 31-20. to 20. 
All right, Lindsay. I think the Bills look really good on paper, but their first two wins were against the Jets and the Dolphins. So I feel like those numbers might be a little inflated. So I've got LA winning 21 to 17. Lindsay, you and I are copying each other's homework. Aaron Donald is <laughs> going to take Josh Allen's lunch money and make him beg back for it. Give me the Rams to go get the road win. I'm surprised as anybody that the Rams are getting it done, but they are this year. I like them 24 to 18 over Buffalo. Then the Sunday night game to wrap us up here in the lightning round, the Green Bay Packers taking it down to the Big Easy to New Orleans on NBC to take on the Saints, who just lost a game to the Raiders on Monday night. The short week turnaround, Brian, does it make a difference? Do the Packers get it done, or do the Saints hold home serve? Man, this game should, by all means, be fun. Should be a good game. But New Orleans just doesn't look good. Uh, Breeze looks awful. Uh, Kamara is the only light they have right now. I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to tear them apart. Give me Green Bay in a runaway. I say 42 to 10. Ooh, all right. Wow. Alan. Well, you know, Mike, Michael Thomas is still questionable for this game. He's actually getting checked out by the Green Bay team doctor, who's a renowned orthopedic this week. Nice little fact there. Uh, guys, New Orleans defense absolutely got shredded by Derek Carr in Vegas. The Packers have over a thousand yards in its first two games. I, I know it's against the Vikings, against the Lions, but they still put up over a thousand yards. Interesting stat: you talk about Breeze looking bad. Drew Breeze through two games has the lowest passer rating in the NFL on passes over ten yards. He looks like he's lost some zip. He looks like he's lost that accuracy that made him Drew Breeze. I like the Packers. I think it'll be close. I like the Packers thirty-one to twenty-one. All right, Lindsay. Yeah. I got to go with with uh, what Brian and Alan are saying. Green Bay has been building some pretty big leads, and Aaron Jones is just the hunk that Aaron Rodgers needed to to make that happen. Um, the Saints not looking great. Drew Brees is losing a little of his magic, so I've got Green Bay 28-24. Uh, yeah, Brian, you talk about how Gary Kubiak and the Vikings won't go with Dalvin Cook. For some reason, uh, Sean Payton refuses to use Alvin Kamara. It's the most baffling thing I've ever seen, and it's going to cost them, and it's going to cost them big this season, and it's costing them uh, Sunday night, too. Green Bay's going to go in and have their way. I like Green Bay 38-24 over the New Orleans Saints. So there's only two things left to do, and one of them is it's time to hit those engines, Alan, and buzz that tower. The Danger Zone's 0-2 on the year. Let's see what you got for us this week <laughs> in your upset pick of the week. Well, you know, the danger zone has been in trouble. I'm going to blame that on the lack of depth on college football games because that's usually where I make my living. Uh, but I've chosen a very interesting game this week. I think you're going to like it. You know, the team I'm picking to be upset, uh, there's a few things that make me weary about them. They usually start the season slow and sloppy and they absolutely suck at 11 a.m. home kicks. Jay, I'm putting your Auburn Tigers in the danger zone. I think Terry Wilson and that single-wing offense that they ran with Lynn Bolden, now they have a quarterback, somebody who can actually throw the ball. Uh, I think Auburn will be flat and off. They always start slow under Gus. They pick it up halfway through the season, and then by the time they get to the Iron Bowl, it's like playing the freaking 85 Bears. But they're going <laughs> to suck it up Saturday. I like Kentucky 24-23. to 23. 
All right, Alan calling for the big SEC upset and putting Gus back on the hot seat early on here, as we know will happen if Auburn loses that game to Kentucky. Should be good times. Alan and I joked about this uh, earlier this week because we were both from Alabama, and there is like a thing about like no-fall weddings, like no kidding. But I got to ask for my, my esteemed colleagues from Minnesota and Virginia, and Lindsay, you're also New England representative here. Are fall weddings like a thing, or are they a thing avoided because of football season? <clears throat> well, I uh, was I, I went to a fall wedding in Blacksburg, um, but it was on a bye week, and they strategically planned it that way. Okay, all right, Brian. What about so you? So it's carefully planned. Okay. Where I live, you get married when the weather's nice. So that means anywhere from May to October. So, yes, there are definitely some fall weddings, but the majority of people are going to pick that summer, early uh, summer, late spring wedding. And I think that's what most people go with. All right. I've set all of this up there so Alan can tell the most awesome fall wedding story of all time that he shared with us in the text thread. Alan, let everybody else know. What's <laughs> so I worked at a hotel in Tuscaloosa, and I guess this was the 09 season. Uh, Alabama LSU game. A lady flew in from New Jersey every week to go to the Alabama game. Well, she came in and I'm like, you know, how, how are you doing? Boy? She's like, well, I'm missing my son's wedding. And I'm like, what? You're missing? Yeah, the, they, they decided to have the wedding this weekend. And I told them I wasn't going. I was going to the Alabama game. <laughs> then she proceeded to call her soon-to-be daughter-in-law a Yankee and said she, she was from New Jersey and should have never had the wedding on an Alabama football Saturday. <laughs> Oh, that is special. <laughs> I remember that that's hotel, great. though, because that's where the first time you and I actually met in person was at that hotel. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, my. Yeah. Can you just imagine, like, Thanksgiving dinner at that house? So. <laughs> a little icy. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit. Well, folks. A lot of great football action coming up this weekend. The SEC is now back in. The Big Ten will be joining us soon. And it looks like the Pac-12 and the MAC and the Mountain West and everybody's getting back. Let's in the pool. go Maction. Yeah, everybody's getting back in the pool by the end of October. So we'll see what happens. Either way, we'll be here to break it all down for you on the show. You can look if you're listening to the show on our podcast feed, really appreciate it. Leave us a good five star review, share it with other people. But if you want to watch this show live Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. on Facebook, just follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the gridiron breakdown. You'll get notifications about it. Or if you watch us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. We load these up right after the show is recorded live. We appreciate the support. So until next week, for Brian, Alan, and Lindsay, I'm Jay. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Breakdown. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Breakdown. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? I just hope we can win a game. Follow us on our website, thegridironbreakdown.com, or on Facebook. We do things around here my way. You understand that? You're going to be stacking string all your life, boy. I don't want your life. Tune in next week for more analysis and opinion from our hosts. Now you all scared to ask another question? They're not going to keep them off the field tonight!